amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Life feels better when you know your loved ones are protected. Well, now you can have peace of mind knowing your family's future will be looked after for as little as €10.10 Euro 10 per month with Leia Life Insurance. Simply answer a few online questions, no medical required, and you'll get an instant decision. Join us online and you'll get a 10% discount. Visit leialife.ie now. Insurance provided by IPTQ Life SA. Leia Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Life and Leia Healthcare, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Acast recommends podcasts we love. I'm Louise McSharry and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Catch Up with Louise McSharry. Each Friday, I'll do my best to catch you up on the week's news and culture from the lowest of brows to the relatively high. With the help of experts and relevant guests, I'll take you through the week's events and I'll be armed with recommendations too for books, telly and anything else that's impressed me. Check out Catch Up with Louise McSharry wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including In the News from the Irish Times, Irish History Podcast, and the one you're listening to right now. This is the Miracles Happen Fertility Podcast, Episode 63, Owning Your Fertility with Tammy Quinn. Welcome to the Miracles Happen Fertility Podcast, where it's all about using the power of your mind to create hope, health, and miracles on your fertility journey. And now your host, a dash of science and a heap of spirit, Dr. Maria Rothenberger. Hey, 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 it's Maria Rothenberger, your host for the Miracles Happen Fertility Podcast, coming from Oregon, USA, and it is June of 2020. I am hanging out in my new recording studio, aka the closet in my bathroom. (laughs) And I'm having a good time. Um, What is new in the Miracles Happen Fertility Center world? uh, Again, my book will be publishing in fall of 2020. I really can't believe that guys. I mean, it was supposed to be spring, but COVID. Um, and even then I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, share with you this book baby. And, um, it's been a long time coming and I really feel like I can't wait to help people with it. You know, that's my, my life goal. So looking forward to that. If you have not signed up to receive updates on that yet, head on over to transcendinginfertilitybook.com and uh, you will get all kinds of updates. P.S. Free gifts, free gifts, 
free gifts in neon lights for th- for folks who are on that list. Um, extra gifts for uh, when you purchase the book on publish day in uh, sometime in fall of 2020. So looking forward to that. On to today's episode, owning your fertility. I decided to call this episode owning your fertility because I'm interviewing Tammy Quinn, who's a co-founder of uh, Pulling Down the Moon at pullingdownthemoon.com. This is a company who is focused on fertility and they utilize all sorts of practical measures, <laughs> treatment protocols to help folks with their fertility. And most notably, very um, spiritual and Eastern traditions, a lot of yoga, acupuncture, acupressure. Oh gosh, I don't have to list them all out for you, but uh, head on over to pullingdownthemoon.com. The reason why I named this episode um owning your fertility is because, and you'll, you'll hear this explanation when I talk to Tammy, I asked her what pulling down the moon means. And you'll hear, you'll hear a beautiful explanation for what it means. And I, I, I translate it into owning your fertility and you'll hear why. Um, But I really think it's a wonderful sentiment that, you know, in the, in the fertility world, there's so much focus on infertility and barrenness, for God's sake, all those kinds of words that affirm one's inability to conceive. And I think that is the complete opposite of what we need to focus on. In fact, in April of 2020 um, is always National Infertility Awareness Week with Resolve.org, the National Infertility Association. And I just think that we need to really have a focus on fertility Lots of research, particularly in quantum physics, but um, other kinds of disciplines talk about a focus on that which we um, want to want to attract into our life rather than the things that we don't want. So just wanted to highlight that today. I feel like owning your fertility is really important. And we're going to be talking with Tammy all about ways in which you can own your fertility, um, ways in which you can focus on improving your wellness, improving your health. And um, I really wanted to to focus a lot on the spiritual aspect of fertility. However, it seems uh, it's entwined, right? It's all entwined bio, bio, psycho, social, um, spiritual stuff. This is like coming from my mental health background, but everything's related. Everything is interrelated. So you'll see that we talk about spiritual stuff, but it still comes back to the level of the body, to the level of the emotions, to the level of the spirit, all in one. And um, it's really great, fascinating conversation. And without further ado, I'm going to invite you into it. Here we go. Oh, sorry, one more thing. You can also see this interview on YouTube at Miracles Happen Fertility Center on YouTube if you prefer a video format. Okay, now without further ado, (laughs) here's Tammy and me. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to the Miracles Happen Fertility Podcast. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Likewise, I was just, you and I were talking about that um, I have your book and I didn't know it. (laughs) I know. As I said, there's just weird, um, weird ways that the universe brings us all together. And sometimes we come full circle and I feel like that's what's happened here with, uh, with you. Indeed. Background for watchers and or listeners, Tammy and I have been posting very similar things on Instagram, not knowing. And 
somehow like very, very really similar almost verbatim I know and I was I was laughing earlier that we have like the same color scheme going on so for whatever reason this podcast is just meant to be but um and I was also sharing that we just finished a fully fertile book group with 12 lovely ladies that we did virtually and um just got word sh uh, shortly after the book group ended that one of them got pregnant so we're just yeah, you know, it's funny in the world of fertility because you really don't want to hear about other people's pregnancy unless you know they've suffered enough. And so there's something oddly um, kismet about this group coming together because when you start to hear everybody else's stories, you start to cheer for them. So it's just been really interesting to watch how we all um, sort of support each other when we find out that, that they've finally achieved that goal of pregnancy. So it's been beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you learn other stories, there's something that becomes quite comforting and brings you hope. Exactly. So, so just um, to, to let folks know who you are, um, Tammy is co-founder of Pulling Down the Moon, which is also their, that's your Instagram handle, right? Pulling Down the Moon. Right. And you have like this giant bio. I'm just taking pieces from it today, people. I, just, I go to the website, pullingdownthemoon.com, and you can read about Tammy and her, and her the co-founder other co-founder. So <clears throat> Tammy is um, a, um, gosh, where do I start? So, well, let's just say Pulling Down the Moon is a holistic fertility center. And Tammy herself is a registered yoga teacher uh, with training, including in-depth studies in the princip principles and practices of mystical yoga tradition, including Creology and Ayurveda. I want another podcast episode on Ayurveda alone. Mate, can we? <laughs> Yeah, that's a big topic, right? Yeah. Not, I'm certainly not an expert on it, but uh, it's good stuff. Training, training in it, yes. Um, she's a Reiki master um, and a, an ordained Swami. Studies have included doctrine of karma, meditation, guided imagery, hatha yoga, breathing techniques, sacred texts, holy cow, it's like the list goes astrology, religions of the world, dream interpretation, language of symbols, pastoral care. Um, what I really love, all, all that I love, but this, Tammy uses her training as a Swami to create fertility-specific rituals, clearings, meditations, and yoga classes, which help women struggling with disappointment, losses, and the stresses associated with infertility. The list goes on. Like, what don't you do? I don't know. It's funny because I haven't read my bio in so long and, you know, I, I hear it back and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, so thanks for the reminder. But I, I swear it's not all, not all cracked. Sounds like, like it's cracked up to be, but thank you. Yeah. Um, so you've had your hands in this work for a long time and you have a lot of depth in what you do. I am so glad and so happy to be speaking with you today. So um, first, I, I just like to get for, from from everybody that I speak with. I like to get a history or or how you've come to do the work that you do. Story. So yeah, I mean, my story goes back. I, I started out my life as an advertising executive, sort of a type A 
um, you know, always taught that if you work hard enough, you can always get what you want. So I graduated college. My most recent advertising job was with Martha Stewart Living. And it was this amazing, like, oh, you know, DIY and make your home beautiful and um, was newly married and told my husband when we did get married, I'm like, oh, you know, let's make sure that we travel the world and climb the corporate ladder and save our money. And I'm not thinking about children for at least five years into our marriage. And, you know, I had this whole thing plotted out. And I know the story sounds familiar because a lot of women that probably come to you for, for coaching or therapy and listening to your guests on intuition, the people that come to us have similar stories about being highly successful, highly motivated, um, highly stressed types of individuals. And, you know, I was one of them. So after the five year, you know, requirement of being married and then going off the pill and starting to try, um, you know, it wasn't happening like I thought it was going to happen. So my fertility story went on to, um, you know, graduation from my OB, seeing a reproductive endocrinologist, doing, you know, shots and hormone therapy. And I remember just getting really, really discouraged, had a miscarriage. And one day as I was walking with my husband back from a doctor's appointment, I said, you know, we just have to face the fact that we just may never be parents. And he looked at me and he said, well, why would you say that? If we want to be parents, we'll be parents. And I was like, you know, like this mind blowing aha moment where I thought to myself, you know, he's right. Like, what if it's just not in the way that I envision? What if being a parent means that I have to open my mind up to what I really want? Do I really, have I been focusing too much on the biological pregnancy? And should I shift my focus and my intention to actually being a mother? And when I started to shift that mindset and focus on being a mother, ironically enough, the very next month, I ended up conceiving twins. Um, and I have boy girl twins who are celebrating their 23rd birthday on Thursday. So, um, so it changed my life. But in the, in the course of that journey, I realized that there was very few resources for women to find support to find um, healing outside of traditional medicine. So I really delved into yoga, yoga theory, yoga philosophy, the spiritual teachings. And in that sort of journey, um, decided I was going to start teaching yoga for fertility and that this would be my calling. Um, and um, along the way, ended up meeting Beth Heller, who was one of the yoga teachers at a studio where I was teaching. And I met her because I was due to cover, teach her classes for her when she went out on maternity leave. Mm. And so I'd been preparing to take over her classes as a yoga teacher. And at 38 weeks of pregnancy, I got a phone call that she um, had a stillbirth. So her whole world turned upside down. And instead of sort of covering her maternity leave, I covered a grieving process that she went through. When she finally did come back to the yoga studio and begin teaching again, she and I had a conversation about this journey, about fertility, about loss, about disappointment. And she had actually written a thesis on yoga for fertility years ago. And so it was, again, an odd synchronicity that I had had this idea, germ of an idea to start a yoga for fertility class, and she had already written a thesis about it. So we decided that together we would start pulling down the moon, which would be this place where women could come and explore 
the holistic natural side of fertility, not instead of medical fertility, but sort of in addition to if that's the, the choice that they made. So we launched acupuncture, yoga, massage therapy, and nutrition counseling, all specifically focused for fertility. And that was back in, um, I think 2002, fall of 2002. So it's been over 18 years or just about 18 years. Beautiful. Oh, you need a location in, well, I was in New Jersey at the time, but you need locations everywhere. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, we started in Chicago and then we expanded to Washington, D.C. with um, Shady Grove Fertility, uh, one of the, ah. big, the biggest fertility clinic in the country. Oh. And so we were their holistic arm. And so we um, actually just turned over full operations to them and sold the business to them a couple years ago. And so I've just been focusing on Chicago and now I live in Los Angeles and I, you know, I, I keep thinking like, oh, you know, should I, should I do it here? Should I start something on the West Coast and would Beth come out? And, you know, there's sort of something um, very comforting about Beth and my partnership as, as business owners too, where, you know, we're sort of the yin and yang of the business. Um, and so I feel that it would, sort of be off kilter, you know, set a little imbalance if, if one of us started something without the other. So she'd have to be on an airplane a lot, which we know just can't happen right now, but uh, still thinking about it. Yes. It's, it's percolating. It sounds like, what does pulling down the moon mean? So, you know, we were at, uh, Beth and I were at Unicorn Cafe in Evanston, Illinois, you know, dreaming about what we could create. And we said, what would the name of this be? What would the name of it be? We started thinking about um, symbolism and archetypes that would really fit what we were trying to do. And we decided that the moon was the perfect symbol of fertility because first of all, we know that the moon has a 28 day cycle, which is similar to a woman's uh, period cycle. And we also know that in astrology that the moon symbolizes um, the sign of cancer. And it's also meant to be sort of a sign symbolism of motherhood. The, the moon in astrology is also meant to be very emotional, but nurturing and motherly. So we were like, you know, we need something about the moon. And then there is a, an actual meditation called drawing down the moon, where you sort of envision and, and meditate over bringing the energy of the moon into your body or into your, your soul. And we felt that that was really important symbolism because to us, um, a woman embodies everything that is mother, whether or not she has a child. And yes. the other thing that's really important is that you can look up into the night sky and you may only see a crescent moon, but the moon is always full. We just don't see it as always full. Oh, so like it chills. Oh, I so love that. We want women to understand that they are always full, whole, and complete. They just can't always see it. They just sometimes only see the crescent, but all that the moon embodies, its fullness, its richness is always deep inside of them. Oh my goodness. Profound. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that. Beautiful. It's a, it's a long, it's a long name, but we felt, you know, and we don't always get to explain what the name means, but, um, it's very meaningful for, for us. And, and we think that once people hear it, it'll resonate. Yeah. 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 And right. Long name or not, it's yeah. so deeply meaningful. Um, yeah. As I said, I got chills with that explanations. <laughs> I'm sure your, your clients do too. Okay. So um, after reading your bio, 
folks know now that you you do a ton of holistic work and um what we were talking about before i pressed record today was that what i really liked and i've had your book for a long time um what i've really loved about it and pointed out to folks about it is that it's got all the things mindset emotion stuff psychological stuff spiritual stuff that i really find is integral to fertility and 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 embodying motherhood whether or not you have a child um but what i'd like to talk about today because there is so much um is the is the spiritual aspect and um, my listeners and, and watchers know that i'm big time into the spiritual side of things and i know that you and i could talk probably for days on all this stuff but um, I really want to focus on that. And one of the things that I read in your book was about, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, is it koshas? Kosha. Koshas. Okay. So can you explain koshas and, and why they're important for fertility? I certainly can. And, you know, it's one of those funny little Sanskrit words. And, and I want to just preface our conversation too, that everything that I sort of discuss or bring to the table is really from a yoga philosophy perspective. That's really where my wheelhouse is. Um, mm -hmm. And in that philosophy, it's also very all-encompassing. So whether you come to your fertility journey or come to spiritual fertility from a religious perspective or a certain tradition or culture or dogma, whatever it is, that you know, we really believe that all paths lead to God. And so it's, it's really accepting in that way. And the kosha model um, is a very, it's a sort of a yoga therapy concept that is born of the idea that we have a, a light bulb that sits inside of our lamp. I'm using a metaphor here, but this light bulb is the pure light. But what ends up happening is we put a lampshade over it. So the koshas, by definition, are meant to be are sheaths or layers. And so it's believed that there are all these layers that surround our light bulb. And the light bulb is really our true self, our true soul, our perfection, that, that, that moon inside of us that's always, which is always full. So the first layer or lampshade around that light is really our physical body. And there's a, a fancy name for it too in Sanskrit, which is the Anamaya Kosha, which is a, a mouthful. So we, we won't focus on those names specifically, but to know that the physical body is the entryway into spirit. And the next one is really your breath body or your Pranamaya Kosha. And the breath body is to say that you know, the inhales and the exhales are very, very important because they lead us to a deeper part of ourselves. They quiet the physical body. And once we learn some sort of breath control or mindful breathing, we are then able to penetrate the third layer or sheath, which is the mental body. And I think a lot of us live in our physical and our mental body but what's interesting about the kosha model is that they say if this is your physical body and this is your mental body we're either always hanging out in our thoughts or we're always miserable in our body and the way that you connect the two is through the breath so by learning certain breathing techniques you can understand when you're really 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 fatigued or feeling body aches or um 
tired that when you start to slow your breathing or relax a little bit more can affect the way that you are thinking and the stress that you're experiencing. So those are the first three koshas or layers to our inner self. The fourth one is what we call the wisdom body. And you've talked about that at length through, through some of your podcasts, which is really that all-knowing intuition. It's not a logical state and it's not an emotional state. It's a feeling state, something that is directly down the center. And we love that in yoga because if you know at the end of our yoga practice, we always put our hands together and we bow and say namaste, which is the divine in me bows to the divine in you. Well, that divine is your light bulb. That is your pure essence. And by sort of bringing our hands together, we're symbolizing the bringing together of extremes, the bringing together of our emotions, the bringing together of our logic and really finding that feeling state through intuition. So that's the, the fourth layer or kosha. And the fifth one is really when you start to penetrate all those different layers and you get in closer to that pure self, that pure light, and that's your bliss body. Because when you're really connected with your bliss body, it is ultimate happiness. There is living in the moment and being fully present. And we all know, if you've read The Power of Now, that yes. in this moment, which I think a lot of us have, in this moment, we are okay. We are safe because we're not thinking about things we did that were wrong in the past and we're not fearing the future. And so connecting with that bliss body is really being present. Just a <laughs> there there you go so you're already connected with your breath body i saw i heard a big 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 deep breath there <laughs> yes i often when i when i'm working with folks when they do that big sigh i don't call it bliss body but that must that that's what it is because ah, it's just there just being there Right. And sometimes it's just this automatic response, like the body kicks in and it's like, ah, sigh of relief. But it's really, I mean, think about a sigh of relief. What is that? It's like all of the tense and the stress and the things that you experience in your physical body, something just the mind saying to let it go and that, that breath taking over the body. Um, so it's a beautiful process. And, you know, my yoga guru, um, you know, who was able to continue teachings into his late 80s had said, you're not born into this world with a certain number of years, you're born with a certain number of breaths. And so mm. the longer that you can prolong your breathing or the more deep breaths you can take, the more you prolong your life. Uh, and I love that symbolism. I think that's a great way to look at life. Yeah. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna be taking that perspective from now on. Right, deep breaths. Don't you just hate though? when, <laughs> I have to say the one thing I don't like is when, you know, life's very chaotic and somebody will be like, breathe, breathe. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, please. Like, <laughs> so much more complicated than that. So I always feel like you're doing a little, you know, slapstick across the face. But, um, but so the, the intention is there, but I think sometimes when you, when you look at somebody and say, breathe, uh, that's not very helpful. <laughs> Nope, nope. It's the same as just relax and it'll happen. Exactly. And I think a lot of our fertility gals can relate to the just relax quote. Boy, that's another one of those. Like, <laughs> Or when I'm like really irritated and my husband says, you need to calm down. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Taylor Swift wrote a song about that. We're not going there. Shall <laughs> I play it for you now? Exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> no, it's a conscious inward choice, right? I'm going to breathe now. I'm going to notice my, bre my breath work. I'm going to notice the slowing right. down. Well, because it only works when you still the body. Let's go back to that kosha model. It's like you can't go to the second level without, you, you can't go to the second floor without getting on at the first floor. So it's like the elevator. Like there are certain natural laws of physics that apply in anything mm -hmm. that you do in life. And so you can't say to somebody, just breathe when, when they're, you know, completely stressed and they're tense and they're running around like, like crazy. So the first step is really to calm the physical body. That's how mm -hmm. you then get to that second, third, fourth, and fifth kosha. So oh, calming the would. body is, you know, it's not easy. That's where yoga and in our world, like yoga becomes really important because simply doing a forward fold can help um, create a relaxation response and help you sort of get to all those uh, other layers of your, of your being. Yeah, this is um, off the, off the beaten path a little bit from my, from my questioning, but I've, so one of the ways that I, um, resolved my own fertility struggles before we were even parents was beginning yoga. And now I, I come from a family of engineers, right? So they're very left brain, very one plus one always equals two. And I'm like, all right, I've done all that. It didn't work. Um, what's this yoga and meditation shit? I guess I'll give that a, a go. I'm going to prove <laughs> that wrong because that's not going to work either. But I realized when I started doing yoga specifically that that is the start that or it was the start of my ability to let go yeah. because physically i was so tense and various instructors would talk about this letting go process physically and so when i was able to let go physically something happened emotionally psychologically spiritually where i was finally able to just let go let go and so i i am not a yoga teacher but i prescribe it all the time <laughs> get yourself some yoga you know Marie, you talk about something really really important and often misunderstood which is this letting go process mm -hmm. and people often you know when you're like a yoga teacher says well let go well that's easier to understand in the physical body when you can release and let yeah. go of the muscle but in the mental body letting go sounds really scary for a lot of people because they somehow believe that letting go means that they have to adopt an attitude of apathy or, mm -hmm. or, or disconnectedness. And I think that what you and I have both learned from sort of our own studies and our own experiences, which is letting go in, in the term of what we're describing is the understanding and the intuitive knowing that no matter what happens, the universe will take care of you. Yep. That no matter what happens, you are on the path that you are meant to be on and everything right. is exactly as it should be. And when it is meant to change, it will change. And therefore the letting go is stepping into the flow of the universe and saying, yep. I surrender to my greater self. I surrender to God, the saints and sages, the universe, cosmic energy, whatever it is that you want to call it, with the knowing that I will be fine and this will all be the way it is meant to be. And so I, I think that there is a really important distinction between apathy and letting go in the sense that we're talking about. And I, I think what, what you're describing is, is really important for someone on the fertility journey. Absolutely. Well, people often equate letting go with giving up and, and it's, 
completely the opposite. It actually brings you more control when you let go. Weird to say it's an oxymoron and yet that's what happens. Exactly. But uh, that could, we could do a whole other podcast about that. In fact, I have. <laughs> I haven't talked about that, but, but just wanted to get into that yoga piece where that's, that's where it really, I, I had an understanding of what it meant to let go because I was still in the pose and actually it was a lot easier. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, that we see will be like, oh, you know, I don't like yoga. Oh, okay. Why don't you, it's like, I don't like yoga either because I, I can't get myself into a pretzel position or that it's too slow. I like things that are more rigorous. And so it drives me crazy because I like a faster exercise. And so we always say like, you're the exact person then that needs yoga because what ends up happening is that we throw ourselves out of, out of balance and we end up on a treadmill where we really can't get off. And oftentimes, you know, people that are kind of like, go, go, go. These are the ones training for a marathon, working out every day, you know, highly motivated, highly stressed. And so doing something that's really difficult, which is stepping back into a slower yoga practice can be the best thing for them. And, you know, people that are worried that they don't have enough flexibility to do yoga. I mean, yoga is all about come to me with your stiffest, sorest muscles, and we will gradually make them more nimble. So, you know, there's a, a lot of like, you know, wisdom in just allowing the body to do what it, what it can do and only that much or walking the edge between sort of, you yep. know, being really stiff and unflexible and going a little bit further and seeing how far you can go. So lots of um, really interesting symbolism, even in yoga, right? Yes, yes. And another big one, comparing you to you and not comparing you to other people, mm -hmm. comparing your body to your body week to week or day to day or month to month, as yeah. opposed to other people. There's so much wisdom in yoga. I know. I can talk about like crazy. <laughs> Love it. That's why, that's why we like it so much. That's why it's good for fertility people. Do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Do it, do it, do it. Yep. All right. So moving on <laughs> with the actual interview part. <laughs> Thank you for taking that diversion with me. Um, one of the most, um, one of my most favorite things in, in your book is a quote that I'd love to read. It says, we do not view infertility as an illness, nor do we ascribe to the belief that a woman who has difficulty conceiving is broken and needs to be healed. I'm wondering if you can talk more about this as well. In, in the book, um, following that quote was um, a, like a little box about the origin of disease. And this is, I think, more of what we were talking about, the koshas, bliss body, wisdom body, et cetera. But can you riff on that a little bit about the, the belief that infertility is an illness and women are broken, need to be, or men are broken, need to be healed? Right. What we've seen in 18 years is a lot of women end up coming to pulling down the moon after multiple failed cycles or being at the you know depths of despair or having a horrible loss or feeling at wit's end. And, you know, they come to us and they're in, they're in physical, mental, and spiritual crisis. And some of the things that we hear are, my body is broken. You know, my husband probably wishes that he'd married a fertile girl we are running out of money on fertility treatments. Um, I feel like this is some sort of karmic retribution for something I must have done years ago, and this is payback. So we hear all these stories and, you know, we sort of, our goal is to really remind you again, that you are happy, healthy, whole, and complete just the way you are. And that oftentimes in the process of fertility, 
we are always looking at the problems outside of ourselves. That's another issue, which is like, you know, my doctor did this, my nurse didn't do that. Um, my cousin was insensitive about this. My mother-in-law said this. And so we are constantly taking in all of these energetic thought forms, right? So whether we're creating the thought form or we're absorbing it from the world outside of us, we want women to know that you have the ability to pick and choose what energy you're going to be absorbing into your life. Mm -hmm. And we really look at fertility as, you know, you have a garden hose outside and sometimes it's all coiled up and you go and you turn the water on and you realize that the water's not shooting out because there's a kink in your hose. And, and that's really what can happen with the koshas. That's what, you know, Chinese medicine refers to as chi or the Japanese as ki. There's all kinds of different names for this life force energy. And it's when you're absorbing all these negative thought forms or these beliefs that you're holding so close to that you're creating little energetic kinks all over your body. And therefore, the life energy that is meant to flow freely, naturally, and without obstruction becomes obstructed. And um, that's one of the reasons why we feel practices like acupuncture, yoga, Reiki can help to start unkink the hoses because what ultimately happens as those little kinks begin to appear all over your energetic anatomy, um, they create uneasiness in the body. And when we refer to disease, it's really interesting that it could be DIS hyphen E-A-S-E, dis-ease, uneasiness in the body. So oftentimes, according to yoga philosophy, um, there are certain things that we absorb energetically that we hold on to that create physical ailments. And we can see this just from how many of you have experienced a highly stressful day where by the end of the day you have a headache and your neck is stiff and you know the stress is causing a physical headache right um so we can see it you know in other heart patients where high stress causes high blood pressure high blood pressure you know leads to um you know, um, heart disease or metabolic syndrome. And the next thing you know, you're on cholesterol meds or you have a heart attack. So a lot of this starts at the basis of what kind of energy we're uh, inhaling and what sort of thought forms that we have. So we believe that when you come to pulling down the moon, the way that you start to get rid of dis-ease is sort of an intervention. And that intervention is are the holistic tools. Now, is it to say that you know, the only way that you can get rid of these energetic kinks is through acupuncture, yoga, massage, Reiki. No, sometimes simply being in your garden and pulling weeds or playing a classical piece on the piano day after day are the kinds of natural therapies that can take you to a different sort of mindset. Um, and, and I'm sure, Maria, you sort of talk about this in, in your practice, sort of the value of finding something that inspires you or takes you to a different place in your, in your brain. So do you sort of encourage that as well? Not sort of. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and everybody's different, right? So like um, what I find most often, and you probably find this too, is that people that come to you with the fertility struggles, um, used used to be 
this other person. I used to play classical piano. I used to garden. I used to crochet. I used to whatever creative endeavor. I used to paint that they don't do anymore because taking care of fertility is often a full-time job in, in addition to other jobs. Um, and so, yes, I absolutely encourage people to find that about them. And if they didn't have that before their fertility struggles, find something that really lights them up inside. Right. And I think the other thing that's important to mention is, you know, we had a, a student one time that said, so are you saying that, you know, people that get cancer, that's because they, you know, they sort of had negative energy and they created their own disease. No, you know, that's not what we're saying. Um, I think it's important to just be mindful about the kind of energy and the kind of thoughts that you are taking in, but that's not to say that this is a cure-all. It's not to say that this is not going to prevent you from having disease, but it is to say that there are certain things that create stress in our lives that we do have control over and that that stress can often manifest into physical ailments um, that, that are, we can be relieved through these sort of uh, natural therapies. Yeah, absolutely. And I, basically what I'm hearing you say a lot is that so much of this is energy, 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 even physical stuff is all broken down at the smallest level, right? There we are particles and waves, you know, not at the risk of sounding nerdy with my quantum physics stuff, but. <laughs> well, but I love, yeah. And I, I think, you know, you just look at some of the laws of physics too, which is like matter can neither be created nor destroyed. And so when you look at quantum physics too, what is, there is this sort of theory now that energy or that thoughts have energy and that when you think a thought that that energy goes out into the world so the question i have is if those thought energy bubbles are all over the world do we ever really think of an original thought or do we just bump into them yeah oh my gosh and that takes us back to oh gosh see, we could i told you we could talk forever <laughs> back to the origins of everything right we're all one we're all right. What if, what if we, what if none of us ever had an original thought? We just keep bumping into each other's thoughts and we have been doing this since the beginning of time. And so there is something really interesting about the oneness of, of the universe. If that were, if that were true. Yeah. And also just to go back to the whole thing about cancer um, thing, I, I like to say, and I wrote this in, in my book too, at the risk of sounding, I don't want to sound blamey or, or anything like that, but um, when I talk about that with people, I, I talk about your physical ailments or any ailments that you have, mental health, whatever. It, it's not your fault. Right. And it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to take care of it. It's both, right? It's not your fault. And it's your responsibility to do something now because when you know better, you do better. And you're mm -hmm. now knowing better. I love that. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. This is why yoga, meditation. <laughs> But that speaks to you and I, right? And other people might do different things and that's completely fine. That's right. So, all right. We talked, we talked a little bit about breath work a little bit ago, and I'm wondering if we can expand on that. I, it's on my mind because um, right now um, I am quarantined. I am in my bedroom on the bedroom floor, <laughs> like, uh, in my office, and it's been a little crazy. Um, and I started doing yoga again because that's where I go. Um, I hadn't been practicing for a little while and I went back to yoga and <clears throat> I was doing, I'm doing this 30 day yoga challenge 
on YouTube or something. It's really fun. And she started doing some breath stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this doing in my body? This is interesting. So she was doing like lion breath yesterday, um, ujjayi breath. Yeah, so there's all these different ways of breathing. I'm wondering if you can speak to a few of those for folks and what they do. I, I think, um, you know, from the yoga philosophy, and even modern medicine really believes in the power of the breath. Um, so if we just look at the fight or flight response, you know, if you are uh, camping and you walk out of your tent and you see a big brown bear in the woods um, coming towards you, you know, what happens? It's like your breathing escalates, your eyes start to dilate, your heart rate increases, and the blood shunts out to all of your extremities because you are preparing to either fight the bear or you're going to flee and run away from the bear. In both cases, you sort of need those, that extra blood flow in your hands and your arms and in your legs. So a lot of us end up in a permanent state of fight or flight, right? We're just constantly go, 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 go. Our hearts are racing, our eyes are dilated. We want to know what's next, next, next. I think quarantine has been really interesting um, because I think a lot of people are going to have this realization that they've been on, you know, that they've been going 100 miles an hour and that oh, yeah. how completely insane their lives were. And, and so we sort of had the Great Depression. I think we're going to end up calling this the Great Realization um, mm -hmm. because we're all going to have some sort of profound knowledge of how we really operate in the world. But the value of breathing is that once you can learn that breath control and once you can slow down your breathing, you are really um, decreasing cortisol levels. You're decreasing a lot of those stress hormones in the body that are, are raging. And we know that hormones and stress hormones in particular can, can affect um, fertility because of the way that the hypothalamic pituitary axis works in relation to the stress hormones in our body. And so there's a great deal of value to slowing down your systems. And there are a lot of different breathing techniques. So, you know, lion's breath where you're like, you know, opening up your, your mouth and sticking your tongue out and, and, you know, really like opening up the face and the heart um, is really meant to be sort of a cathartic release, you know, and, and so, <laughs> yeah, right. And a funny looking one. I mean, it's like, we always say, if you're going to do lion's breath, you know, don't look at, don't look around the room um, because people are so self-conscious of how they look. Uh, but then also that it goes back to that thing where you, you begin to own who you are and it's okay to own and know who you are and compare you to you only. So yeah, love that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I, and I think that there's, um, and, and that's when you know yoga's working. I think you know yoga's working when either you see a change in your personality for the better, or you are able to accept yourself for who you are and you don't care what you look like in a hip opener. You don't care what you look like in lion's pose. And again, it's not apathy. It's, it's loving yourself. Yes. Very right. different. It's very different. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a breathing technique to help stoke the fires in your body. So if you're feeling lethargic and you're feeling sluggish, you know, kabalabati, where you're actually like stoking, you know, it's quick inhales and exhales and you're stoking your abdomen. Um, yeah. So that's kabalabati. There is uh, samavriti where 
the inhales equal the same number as the exhales so that you're sort of evening your breathing pattern out. One that I really love is called Satali. So I'm of the age where now I have to start thinking about, you know, menopause and hot flashes. So um, Satali is where you curl your tongue and you inhale through your tongue and it actually feels like a wet blanket is being put over your entire body. So it's really meant to reduce heat. So. Oh, like a taco tongue. Yep, taco tongue. And then an exhale through the nose so that the tongue can re-moisten. And then you- Wow, what is that? <laughs> okay. So that's called Satali. And that for all you ladies that tend to overheat or might be going through some hormone changes, that's a wonderful breath for decreasing heat in the body. So, you know, if you are with an experienced yoga practitioner, um, breath work can be used therapeutically. And I think we're often- you know, caught up on this idea that, oh, it de-stresses you. Breath work, you know, helps to relax you. Oh gosh, breath work can get rid of fatigue. Breath work can get rid of tension in the body. Breath work can decrease inflammation and heat. So I think it's really important that you, uh, if you can work with a yoga person that understands how it could be used therapeutically for you specifically. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's even a breathing that is um, technically used for getting rid of headaches. It's called Brahmori, where it's like a buzzing breath where you're like, mm, and you keep exhaling that buzzing sound, um, which stimulates sort of the upper palate of your roof and sort of the some of the um, head spaces to help relieve some of the tension in your head if you have a headache. So again, it could be used very therapeutically. I'm doing that one. Is there a certain tongue placement when you're humming? It just um, sort of rests um, comfortably at the roof of the mouth so that you can feel the vibration at the soft palate on the top of your roof of your mouth. Oh, so doing that one. Yeah. yeah. Thank <laughs> you for that. Oh, it's so great. So speaking of all of these things that we've been talking about, are there things that you, um, you know, without having to go to, especially now with, with COVID-19, without having to go to a class or sign up for new things, are there things that you feel like listeners or watchers of this podcast can do right now to help move towards optimal fertility specifically? Are there things that you would recommend like top three or whatever things? You know, I'm going to propose something that is sort of jumping this kosher ladder. And so, you know, we should theoretically be going phase one, phase two, phase three, but I'm going to, I'm going to jump a little bit and, and propose sort of a wisdom body exercise and that is that I think every fertility patient looks at their journey through a certain colored glass. And, you know, sometimes it's the blue colored lens because everything just seems awful. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's just like everything wrong is happening. And you, so you color your entire world through this blue lens. And sometimes it's the rosy colored glass where you're like, I just know it's going to happen this time. I just feel it, you know, and you sort of have this inflated sense of, of confidence because it's a new cycle or a new doctor or a new method or a new procedure. And so what I would propose is to either sit in a quiet space in terms of like a meditative practice, or if you don't meditate, then perhaps prayer would be a good place to start. And you really just ask, how do I view my fertility? Is it, what color lens do I see it? Is it rosy? Is it blue? Is it green? What shade am I really perceiving my fertility? Because ultimately we color our journey with our thoughts. We color our journey 
with our experiences from our past, even things that go back to our childhood, we color, and you know this as a therapist, how much our past plays into who we are right now in this current moment. So we need to really ask, how am I coloring my lens? What are my expectations for the future? And how do I color my lens with my expectations for the future? And then really try to tease out through prayer or meditation what we're experiencing and what we're thinking in terms of um, coloring our experience. And because ultimately what we want is we want to view our fertility through a clear glass. And a clear glass really means that we're in this moment, that we're, we're not caught up in, in, you know, fearing getting pregnant again because we had another, we had four miscarriages. Because as you said, it happened to me. That's a reality. I can feel sad about that. I can mourn that loss, but I, I don't want it to debilitate my ability to move forward because of the experience of my past. So can we let that go? Can we let that experience be there because we experienced it, but also not prohibit us from moving forward? Same thing with the future. I'm so afraid. I'm afraid uh, of what could happen if I don't get pregnant, I'm afraid if what's gonna happen if I miscarry again, can we let go of the future? And, and what are the experiences that we've had that are coloring our future? So what I'm proposing is to really approach this, not from an intellectual perspective, not from Googling and researching everything you can on Google forums so that you can see who had your exact same, you know, treatment plan or your exact same diagnosis, um, not to pretend it doesn't exist and not to get emotional and cry your way through it, but that to really approach it from the center place, from a feeling state, which is, I feel I want to be a mom and focus on that feeling. And once you focus on that feeling, you allow yourself and the universe to start manifesting in its magical way. And we always say to people that you will have the child you are meant to have. Mm -hmm. And if you can be open to that, if you can step into the flow of the universe, that child will be attracted to you like metal to magnet, you know, it, it will come your way. And, and we actually even do a meditation in our book where we imagine being on the top of a mountain on this beautiful clear day and looking down at a sea of children below us and seeing the one that is calling to us, reaching out for the one that is reaching back for our hand. And when we do that meditation, we get a lot of tears because the real bottom line of fertility is that if you want to be a mother, you will be a mother, but you have to make that decision. And I think you more than anybody can really speak to this, right? <laughs> Maria? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, gosh, I'm, I'm one of a sea of, of many who can speak to that. Yeah. Also, I want to highlight folks who, who I, I like to highlight choice in this. Um, for folks who choose not to pursue treatments, who, who choose not to move forward with having a human baby, you know, motherhood is not just having a human baby. Motherhood is, is it's, it's just creation at its, at its smallest energy point, right? It's all creativity. So the thing, like your book, it's a baby, right? 
Yeah, and I, I love that because we had, um, you know, I, I taught this class called Dealing with Disappointment, and there was a woman that was going through um, secondary infertility, and, you know, she, you know, when she was really at this crossroads of, you know, how long do I keep going? You know, because it becomes like, you know, uh, going to Las Vegas, you know, you keep putting money down, you keep rolling the wheel. And so after like the fifth class, she comes bounding into class. I mean, she would cry every single class, like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's so sad. And then she came bounding into class all happy. And she's like, I figured it out. And we said, okay, what, what's going on? You seem delighted. She's like, I'm going to birth a business. And, you know, she had this a brilliant idea of how all of her experiences were going to help her birth this business and she was going to be this mother to her business. And so when I say, you know, that child is reaching back for you, that child could be a physical child, but it could also be um, the business that you birthed, the book that you wrote, you know, whatever creative. Yes. But again, because that motherhood exists in all of us. And I also think that this is a point, too, where... Um, you know, second solutions are often very helpful too, because, you know, sometimes we have to go through this grieving process of not being able to have a physical child or biological child of our own before we have the ability to grieve that and move on to second solutions. And so we've seen beautiful families created that way as well. Well, yep. Like too many to count on this end. And I'm only one person on this journey. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and insight. Could you show your book one more time? Sure. I want people to see that. Please pick it up, you guys. This book, I, I pull it off my, I cannot believe this is you. I pull it off my shelf all the time. It is so beautiful. There are photos in there, illustrations. It's beautiful, just high quality, glossy pages. I just like, I like the feel of books. So I guess I'm a little nerdy that way, but the content is outstanding. So. And you're all, you know, if anyone's watching or listening that's interested in pursuing our virtual yoga for fertility, now we are going to be offering that online. So you're more than welcome to uh, hop on pullingdownthemoon.com and check out our schedule, and we'd love to see you virtually. <coughs> awesome. All these things will be linked to, on the show notes, by the way, of course, so people can just head on over to drmariarothenberger.com and get it all there and, um, or wherever you are on YouTube, wherever you are, the yep. link should be there. Namaste, Tammy. Namaste, and thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Take care, you too. Bye-bye. <sighs> I could really talk to her forever and ever. <laughs> uh, I hope you got some great information from Tammy today. And I hope going way back to the beginning of this episode where we talked about owning your fertility. And I hope you really liked that explanation of what pulling down the moon means. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I mean, gosh, if that's your only nugget from this episode, run away with that. Run away with that. I hope you run away with other things too, but uh, this is all good stuff, right? And as I mentioned, everything will be loaded on um, whatever platform you're listening to this podcast and or watching this podcast. Uh, so you can get all those links there. And I hope to have Tammy back. Tammy, if you're listening, I hope to talk to you again. All right. Now, as I always say, as I always send you off at the end of these podcasts, may you be well and happy and peaceful and feel at ease. And may you know without a shadow of a doubt that your miracle is on its way to you. Be well.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.